turn your attention once again to Matthew chapter 6, and I want to shine the sermonic spotlight on verse 9. This is known as the Lord's Prayer. And verse 9 says, In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And today I want to continue our journey through the Lord's Prayer, this series of sermons. And I hope and I trust and I pray that when we're done, you'll have a much greater, a more in-depth understanding of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that the Lord taught his disciples to pray. And today... We want to look at this verse, uh, the words of Jesus, hallowed be your name. Now, in many segments of our society today, names have become little more than flashy or catchy titles or labels used to identify people. But for the Jewish people, a name represented far more than a title or a label. For the Jewish people's names were chosen to indicate character. This was especially applicable to the names of God. For example, David said in Psalm 20 and 7, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in underscore the name, which means David is saying we trust in the character, we trust in the nature, we trust in the isness, we trust in the makeup of the Lord our God. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament, the names of God reveal aspects of his being. Again, Jehovah, for instance, Jehovah Shalom, that means the Lord our peace. And it was a name that Gideon gave to God, and then he raised an altar uh, to God. Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord provides, was the name by which Abraham gave, came to know God on Mount Moriah when God provided a ram for the sacrifice uh, in, the place of Abraham, uh, in the place of Abraham's son, Isaac. So you can understand uh, why Abraham referred to God as Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Tiskanu uh, means the Lord our righteousness. It's the name by which God revealed himself to Jeremiah during Jeremiah's captivity. Uh, Jehovah Nisi means the Lord is my banner. And that was the name Moses ascribed to God after Joshua and his men defeated Amalek and the people with the edge of the sword. Other Old Testament names like El Shaddai, El Elyon, and Adonai all serve as indicators of God's character. Jesus makes this point clear in verse 9 of the text, teaching his followers to pray, saying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, uh, means uh, one having a close and intimate relationship with God. It means dearest father. It means having that relationship with the loving and caring and intimate father. Now Jesus says, hallowed be your name. He teaches his disciples first that Abba Father 
personalizes their relationship right, right. with God. But now he shifts and he says, hallowed be your name. Well, what does it mean? Uh, what does it mean to hallow God's name? I mean, we prayed this prayer since childhood. But have we ever thought about what does it actually mean to hallow God's name? Well, to answer this question, it behooves us to understand the word hallow. The word hallow comes from a Greek word, which means to count as holy, to treat as holy. Therefore, to hallow our Father is to revere his name and exalt his name higher than any other name. So when Jesus teaches his disciples, hallowed be thy name, he's saying don't pray to God calling him the man upstairs or my, you know, uh, he's, you know, my sidekick or anything like that. But Jesus says, hallowed be your name. He is teaching us to come before God in prayer with utmost respect, with utmost reverence, and with the utmost regard for the person, the power, and the presence of Abba Father. But it doesn't stop there. Because not only is Jesus teaching his followers to pray, hallowed be your name, he's teaching his disciples to display, hallowed be your name. For you see, it's one thing to uh, display uh, uh, reverence with our lips, but it's uh, it's something else to display reverence uh, with our lives. So then, how do we do it? How do we cross the bridge uh, how do we flesh it out? How to be your name uh, in a step by step, moment by moment, day by day movement of life? How do we, as sons and daughters of God, honor his name in the everyday ebb and flow of life? Because that's what Jesus is saying. That the implication here is pray it, but don't only say it, pray it and display it. And so let's examine just for this morning just three ways. First, we honor God's name with our words. We honor God's name with our words. That is to say, we must be careful not to profane, disrespect, or dishonor God's name with our lips. That means we are to avoid crude rude and vulgar language both privately and publicly in reality the words we speak will either honor or dishonor the name of God mean words curse words demeaning words dehumanizing derogatory degrading deceptive words be they spoken by the pastor the parent the president or any person disrespects the holy and righteous name of God, period. David warns his readers in Psalm 34 and 13 with these words, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from speaking deviousness. The writer of Ephesians 4.29 states, let no corrupt underscore word what the writer is saying not one word not one single solitary word let no corrupt word proceed 
out of your mouth. He's talking to believers. But what is good for necessary edification, Ephesians 5 and 4 declares, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which is not fitting. Instead, let there be thanksgiving. Colossians 3.8 proclaims, but now you yourselves, he's talking to believers, he's talking to the church. Now you yourselves are to put off, underscore, all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Why? Because our fathers, sons, and daughters are to speak. Speak words that honor his name. When I was a little boy, I was singing a song with some of my friends. It was a song off off television. It was a little show. And, you know, back in those days, all the little shows had nice little songs. You know, this show was, this, this show was, a show called 77 Sunset Strip. Now, some of y'all might remember that. But, but, but that was a pretty popular show. But some friends of mine, along with me, changed the words and were saying some ugly things. And so Miss Smith, the school teacher who lived next door, heard us singing and told my aunt. And my aunt without hesitation, warm me up. That's how it used to be, you know. Yeah, you know, it wasn't no second thought. When an adult said that you had messed up, you were in trouble. And so Miss Smith whipped me. I mean, my aunt may whip me based on what Miss Smith said, and the reason she whipped me was because my words were dishonoring my grandfather who worked hard every day, who was a Christian man, and dishonoring my grandmother and dishonoring my aunt, and most importantly, my words were dishonoring God. Now here's a realism. Whatever comes out of the mouth is an indication of what's deeply rooted in the heart. Luke 6.45 explains it this way. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bring forth good, and an evil man out of the evil of evil treasure of his heart bring forth evil. For out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. You really want to know what's in your heart. What do you say when you stump your toe? What do you say when you bite your tongue? What do you say when you drop that favorite piece of meat on the floor? What do you say when you're in the car all by yourself and you're trying to make your appointment, you're trying to make this deadline, perhaps you're even trying to get to church, and the driver ahead of you hesitates at the light? And by the time you get there, the light changes to red and you're stuck there for at least another minute. What do you say? 
What, what words come out? What, what words come out of our mouths during times like these? Out of the abundance of his heart, our hearts, our mouth speak. Do we say, oh, shucks. <laughs> or, oh, my God. What do we say? Yes, yes. Well, certainly the world of darkness in which we live pays no attention to Jesus' teaching in the Lord's prayer to hallow, to honor, honor, to hold in highest esteem and to reveal the name of our Father. The world pays that no attention. That's the reason why politics, television, and radio, and billboards, bumper stickers, the internet, blogs, Facebook, Twitter, the entertainment and sporting industries are saturated with every kind of vicious, vile, and vindictive profanity. Some even the using the name of God. And, and I read just one, one, one uh, commentator this week as I studied for this sermon, and, and he pointed out a very good point. He, he pointed out that, that he had never heard uh, the name of Buddha or Allah or, or Confucius or any other religion. It's always God's name attached to some profanity. Found that interesting. For those living in darkness, existing outside of the body, of Christ alienated from truth, cursing and swearing and vulgarity and rude, crude language is the acceptable order of the day. Have you noticed that? Profane language, once forbidden by decent people, has now become normal. Even in cartoons. Was a day we could let our children sit in front of the television and watch cartoons with Bugs Bunny, Rose Runner, and, and, and be pretty confident that the language would be, would be decent. But those days are gone. Yet Jesus teaches his followers in Matthew 6 and 9 to hallow, to honor, to respect, to revere the name of Abba Father. Jesus teaches us to honor the name of God with our lips and with our lives. But secondly, we honor God's name with our worship. In John chapter 4, Jesus had a wonderful conversation with a woman he met at Jacob's well, you know as the woman of Samaria. During the course of their conversation, they came upon the topic of worship. The woman said to Jesus in verse 20, our fathers worship on the mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. But Jesus informs her that it is not about the place of worship that matters most. What matters most is revealed by Jesus in verses 23 and 24. But the hour is coming. And now is when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the father is seeking such to worship him. 
God is spirit. Did you get that? <coughs> and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now notice, according to Jesus, God honoring worship. Worship that hallows God's name is two-dimensional. First, God honoring worship happens when the Holy Spirit within us connects with the Father who is spirit. When that connection is made, when our spirit connects with God's spirit, God is glorified and you as the worshiper become satisfied. Have you ever attended a church service where all the props, procedures, protocol were in place? There may have been vibrant singing and shouting and and even verbal proclamation. But still you left the sanctuary, the auditorium, the assembly hall feeling empty. Like something of great significance was missing. Have you ever experienced that? I mean, everybody around you may seem to be going on, carrying on. But for you, you left feeling empty, even though you may have tried to fake it. To go along just to get along, you didn't want to be the art man or the art woman out, so you wanted to act as though something was happening, but it really wasn't. The truth of the matter is you were empty on the inside. You walked out of the doors feeling like something was missing. You may not have been able to put your finger on it, but you knew something was missing. That's because you had gone through the motions of worship, but there was no spirit, but there was a spiritual disconnect somewhere between you and God. But on the other hand, you went to church and again, there was vibrant preaching and teaching and singing and shouting and praising the Lord. And the spirit within you connected with the spirit, with God. You felt consumed by his love, mesmerized by his mercy, engulfed by his goodness, encompassed by his grace, and captivated by his compassion. You sensed his presence moving in and through your being. Maybe you cried. Maybe you shouted. Maybe you raised holy hands. Maybe you just sat quietly in your seat, basking in the radiant sunshine of God's presence. Yet regardless of your physical response, you knew genuine worship had happened. You knew for yourself that you had been in the presence of of God and he had blessed you for being there you knew that your spirit had connected with God who is spirit and you left that worship assembly feeling satisfied you left feeling like you had really been in the presence of God you left feeling like you had experienced God that's because true worship had occurred God honoring worship happens when we come To the worship setting with genuine, authentic, pure, unadulterated motives. In other words, genuine worship happens when we come and we are not here for show. 
We're not here trying to satisfy an attention deficit. We're not here looking to exercise power and control. We're not here to build ourselves up, to make ourselves look good. You see, the phrase in truth used by Jesus literally means we come clean or come to the point of the place of worship with honest intentions. When you and I have come to worship with no agenda item except to worship our Father in spirit and in truth, his name is hallowed. His name is honored. His name is revered. His name is holy. His name is set above all other names because our motives for coming here are pure. Third and finally today, we honor God's name with our walk, with the way we live our lives. When we pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, We are dedicating ourselves to lead lives that reverence all that Abba Father is. Now, if we're not ready to lead that kind of life, we ought not pray, hallowed be your name. We can only pray, hallowed be your name, in truth, when we are ready to dedicate ourselves each day to lead lives that reverence all that God is, all that God stands for. Yes. To honor God's name demands that our lives show to those around us, some who are critics, some are skeptics, some are seeking truth, but we ought to show them that we really do have a heavenly father who sits high and looks low, who's involved even in in the minute details of our lives. We ought to live to let people see that we do have a father who we we love and he loves us. To honor his name demands that we display security and confidence in God. When those who don't know Jesus are overcome by fear, and despair, and depression, and despondency. To honor God's name demands that we radiate the self-esteem that comes from knowing we are loved and cared for by God, our Father. We honor God when we go to our workplaces with our heads up high, radiating the self-esteem that comes with knowing that we are loved by God regardless of what people say to us or about us. Our heads are up high because we know that we are loved and cared for by God. We know that we are our Father's children and he loves us one and all. To honor God's name is to manifest uncompromising loyalty to his word, his will, and his ways. Jesus said in best in Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 
we honor God. We say, hallowed be thy name. When we as Christians, we as the church, let the light of Jesus Christ shine brightly before us in this darkened and sin-sick world. Hymn writer Johnston Oakman Jr. reveals the importance of honoring and serving God, not only with our words, but with our life, with a hymn entitled, Lift Him Up. He wrote how to reach the masses, men of every birth for an answer, Jesus gave the key. He said, if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. Lift him up. Lift him up. Lift him up. Lift him up. Him up the hymn writer says, by living as a Christian ought, let the world in you and in me, the Savior, see then men and then women and then boys and girls will gladly follow him who once said, I'll draw all yeah. men, all women, all people right, right. unto me. Yeah. God has spoken. Let the church say.